Kia ora, and welcome to Ko Tamu Tamu, Waitangi Takeaways, stuff summary of the kōrero from Waitangi. I'm Taurapa, Te Ao Māori Advisor and Te Reo Māori Translator at Stuff. I'm joined by senior Pōtiaki reporter Joel Maxwell. Kia ora, Joel. Uh, We've been in beautiful Waitangi since Thursday. Over the next 15 to 20 minutes, we'll analyse the key talking points from the whole weekend and explain what they mean for Te Ao Māori. Are you ready, Joel? I'm ready to go. Okay. For the final time, Waketaiwa. Let's go. Kia ora, koutou katoa. No mai hoki mai ki ko tamu tamu tēnei wha Welcome back to our final episode of ko tamu tamu, a wrap-up of the week at Waitangi that's just been. I'm joined with Joel Maxwell. Kia ora, Joel. Kia ora, e hoa. What were some of the key takeaways for you from this Waitangi weekend? Well, it's a bit of a sad time at the moment. Every, most people have gone home now. The politicians have all flown away. <clears throat> and left, and uh, mostly now it's just a few tourists, mm-hmm. the locals, and a whole bunch of reporters just hanging around, loitering at the restaurants and bars. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just us finishing up and wrapping up here. <clears throat> My number one thing I think that I take away from this four or five days we've spent here with the terrific team we've had is that it's been a fantastic time to hear and speak to real Māori. If we think about it, you know, this is a compression of a lot of skilled and talented speakers into one place at one time during the year. And I'm so lucky to be here for that. And it's not just te reo Māori speakers as well. A lot of tikanga experts as well. There's there's kaumātua, they have all these stories. There's kuia. Um, you know, there's, there's just so much that we can take away from this um, as well as te reo Māori. Yeah, and, and it's... It makes me sad as well as being glad to be here because, you know, there's only 2 to 3% of our overall population who are fluent speakers of the language. So if you're on a learning journey and you're a fluent speaker, it is so hard to find others out there in mainstream work and play in every other part of New Zealand where you can actually just sit down and know you're going to be able to hold a conversation with somebody. And that's something that I... I've discovered I can do here quite easily. It's a cool place to practice as well. No matter where you are on your real journey, whether you're just starting off or you're maybe a bit more further along, a bit more proficient, there's definitely a lot of people here who who can uh, who can help you along with that and, and provide a, a, a taringa for you to, to practice with. Yeah, I think one of the best things I've found being here just these four or five days, you know, I'm paid for this, but I come along and I've noticed that it's it has really sharpened my ears in terms of understanding what's being said. I came here, and I must admit I felt a bit rusty at the start and I was struggling to understand. But just three, four days of being in this environment has sharpened them so much. And the sad part is, of course, that uh, now we're going to be heading home shortly and I'm going back into the wide world, which is not Waitangi. You kind of lose a little bit of that momentum, don't you? Yeah, and it's that's part of the journey is that you build up momentum when you're in environments like this, but then you lose it again when you go out there, back to work, you know, back to uh, the everyday world. Mm. If you're learning te reo, it's really important to have somebody to bounce ideas off and to have a hoa kōrero Māori. So if anyone listening is learning te reo Māori, that would be my recommendation to you, is to find a hoa kōrero Māori, someone you can speak to, just to keep up some of this stuff. You know who could use with a, a hoa kōrero Māori? Mm. There's a few of them, and they're politicians, and their names are Chris Hipkins, mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Luxon, mm-hmm. and... We're giving him big ups in this, but also David Seymour. David Seymour uh, was a standout for me, honestly. Uh, at the parliamentary pōhiri, I was blown away by the fact that he did his complete whaikōrero in te reo Māori. 
I was listening to it and it was one of those things where it's it's equal parts, you know, oh, I'm glad he's not stopping, but also, oh my God, please stop. It was, it, you know, it was tough. You could see him fighting his way through. He was he had notes, which is a bit of a cheat on, on the tomato, isn't it? Yeah, there are some people uh, we spoke to afterwards, some komatua who, who suggested if you're going to stand on the tomata, it's better. Obviously, yes, do it in te reo Māori, that's a given. But to speak from the from the heart, off the cuff, was uh, was what I heard, and I think it, it provides a lot more mana for your corridor if you're able to do it without cue cards. Even if you forget half your corridor, yeah. I think. I mean, to be honest, you're the only one that's going to know that you've forgotten it. If you've got cue cards in front of you and you're fumbling around, people are going to notice. Yeah. Yes, I mean, the sad part about that for me was that Seymour. I, I think he deserves accolades. He's my star of that um, porphyry, actually. He, he stuck to it. He followed what the intentions were, you know, the suggestions made um, by the people organising the event. Um, and he stuck it out. Um, but afterwards, he, he took a bit of stick from other a few other people, you know, for not being the best speaker. I think the, the stick that he received, though, was probably not due to his real Māori that was spoken on the taumata. It's, it's probably more for the, the stuff that he that, that's led up to this. Yeah. And there, there was a bit of shade thrown from uh, Shane Jones yeah. uh, with respect to David Seymour's whakapapa. Um, and it's, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a massive power move to throw down somebody's whakapapa right in front of them, in front of the whole country, um, and then tell them to live up to it and to consult with it. So I think there was a little bit of tension there, but... Definitely a highlight hearing Te Reo Māori from someone who is learning on their journey. Yeah. And of course, I believe, uh, you might agree with me too, we should never embarrass people about their level of real. Absolutely not. No. If someone's trying, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's just so, so many politics around these sorts of who we aren't there. Mm. And, there, you know, there are politicians who turned up, there are politicians who didn't turn up to certain kaupapa as well. And, you know, you get praised for being here. You, if you're a politician, you'll also get shade thrown at you and you'll get criticised for turning up. And when you don't turn up, you get criticised for that as well. So it's, it's a bit of a catch-22 really, isn't it? Yeah, I know. it's part of what I love about Waitangi Day, you know, and about our national character is that, you know, when the politicians turn up here, they're invited, they come along and everybody goes, ah, oh, these darn politicians, they come along and politicise everything, we can't stand them. But the minute they don't turn up, we're like, how disgusting, They're disgraceful. They never came along and they, they, they ignored us. So they're in a bit of a no-win situation. But that's mm. New Zealand character. Yeah, and it can be quite a difficult, uh, quite a fine line to balance, uh, to, to walk really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when, when you're instructed or invited uh, to come along to the pōhiri as a politician and in those instructions they ask you not to talk about politics... <laughs> It's like, well, what's the point in me turning up? Yeah, it's a fine line. And, and I think it's, it's a, a brilliant test of the political skills, the speaking skills, the nows of the politicians that come up. They can look like they're not political while also getting across their message. So, you know, as a political observer, it's, it's fascinating. And I love that aspect of Waitangi Day. Every year we moan about the politicians. We moan if they don't turn up. You know, they can't win, which is possibly not a bad thing. That's right. Yeah. And so we've been speaking about Te Nanga up at the, the Waitangi Treaty Grounds for a bit now. We did have Titi as well. That's a huge part of this whole weekend. Yep. And the roll call ceremony in particular was a standout. Um, how, did you, how did you feel about that? 
yeah, that was one of my one of the top events for me um, in our time here. And that, you know, I, I went along and I wasn't expecting to understand um, the event as I did because there were a few elements of it that really struck me. I mean, it wasn't like a super emotional event in any sense, and it was as as it was described by some of the organisers, it was an organic event. It was very much organic, organic extremely organic, <laughs> but, very free flowing. Yes, but when they when they did what they did, which firstly was to read out the articles of the treaty and Te Treaty, Maori in in both languages. It was just such a beautiful illumination, I've said this, of the differences between the articles. I'm sure so many people have seen both versions of Te Tiriti, uh, or the treaty and Te Tiriti. Mm. Um, they may have even read them several times, but when you hear them actually being spoken back to back, that's where you hear the real differences. And I think it makes it a lot closer to the listener, that you feel more of a connection. You actually feel the wairua of Waitangi as opposed to what may be happening up at the, the dawn service at the treaty grounds, yeah. where it's very much a politicised event. They don't read out the treaty, and you have almost a bit of a disconnection now, because we are nearly 200 years on from it. Yeah. Sometimes we forget actually why we're there. And I think, for me, I would love to see the treaty and Te Tiriti being read at that dawn service as well, just to bring back maybe some of that wairua into it, which we're, we're missing at the moment. It's a stark reminder of those differences in what was promised in the real Māori version and what was promised or extracted in the English version. So it was a beautiful moment for me and also the most beautiful moment, um, like like I said, was when they they made a roll call of uh, their ancestors who had signed Te Treaty and... Uh, in the crowd of about a hundred people were many of their um, were many of their descendants, and each name they called out, most of them, somebody would raise their hand or stand up and give a little talk about uh, their tupuna. And um, for me, it made me I wasn't expecting this, but I suddenly realised here are the living descendants of these names on this piece of paper, which is the founding document of our country. And there is an invisible line running from the tupuna down to these living people. Their name is still remembered. You know, and their ancestors are still alive. So that's what it's all about. And I can't imagine that those tupuna would have thought that they would be remembered in this way yeah. nearly 200 years on. I definitely wouldn't wouldn't think that uh, my my descendants are going to be thinking about me that way, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy reminder of our history and how it, it runs into the present and hopefully makes us positive and hopeful for the future. Yeah, and we've got to remember those tupuna were just people like us as well. Yeah. They were the people in charge of, of the iwi at that time. We have iwi chairs turning up. Mm. They're effectively the same kind of people who would be signing the treaty 200 years ago. It's it's quite crazy to think that, you know, we, we sort of put them up on a pedestal now thinking back at um, about all those tupuna back then. But really, they're just the kind of people that would be walking around with us every day now. Yeah, and they would be on the on the stage in the in the forum tent at Te Te Marae talking about things like co-governance these days. If they're yeah, alive, absolutely. Did you bring any other takeaways uh, with you from this? Um, well, the the last thing I'd like to talk about, obviously, just as a little plug, is is the fantastic. You know, the thing that I remember as well is the work that's been done here by our team, by a Potiaki team. Um, who have just been incredible and done such a huge amount of work. Yeah, I've found it um, as a massive privilege to be able to join the team here at Waitangi. My first time actually at Waitangi for Waitangi. Mm. 
um, and just made even more special by the fact that I could share all of this with my workmates, with my friends, um, and it's just been a, an amazing week. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, to be honest, we've got a few of them here. We're, we're sitting here with our team behind us. They've been listening in. Kia ora, everyone. Some of them are asleep. One of them is asleep. We did, <laughs> we did have a 3 a.m. Um, <laughs> hui uh, recently, so yes. Um, yes, no, that's... Um, that's everything from our Waitangi takeaways, our ko tamu tamu. Hopefully, ko ki te pukui ngā kōrero. Um, you are feeling satisfied and satiated by the kōrero and the takeaways that we have given you over the past week. Uh, from me and Joel, kia ora rā, koutou katoa, e mihi ana i te whakarongo, mā te wā. Mā te wā. You've been listening to ko tamu tamu Waitangi takeaways. Stuff summary of the kōrero from Waitangi. I'm Taurapa, and I've been talking with Joel Maxwell. Tēnā rawa tu koe, Joel. Oh, tēnā koe ho, e mihi nui nui kia koe. That was our final dispatch from Waitangi 2023. But keep an eye on stuff.co.nz for more great coverage of Te Ao Māori all year round. Thanks to our producer Chris Reed, Potiaki reporter Katie Doyle, and the rest of the Stuff audio production team. And thanks very much for listening. Mā te wā. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The human race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate.